Welcome to the Issues of Life podcast with Adam Davis, where each week we answer your biggest questions, offer a biblical perspective on the issues that matter most, and encourage you in your walk with the Lord. Hello and welcome to the Issues of Life podcast. And we are going to do something a little bit different. Before we move on to a new series, we're just going to take a week or two to answer an important question. If you'll remember, we mentioned in the past that we want to use this podcast to actually answer the questions that you have. And so we do hope to hear from more of you in the days ahead. And there's actually a way right on our app, the Keep Your Heart Ministries app, where you can actually submit a question or a suggested topic for the podcast. So please do that so that we can answer more of your questions. But for today, we're going to answer a question that's pretty common, one that I'm sure Uh, many of you are already, perhaps, asking. Today, we want to answer the question, how do I find, how do I know God's will for my life? And this is a question that I get pretty regularly, and so I've actually made it just one of the go-to topics whenever I get the chance to speak to a group of teens. And honestly, I'm thankful for the question. I'm glad that, that young people are asking this question, because it's a good question to be asking. Um, the desire to know God's will for your life is a good desire. I'd rather young people be asking that and searching for that than just, you know, asking, what do I want to do with my life? Unfortunately, a lot of young people, especially when they get to the point of of high school and they're going to be choosing where to go to college and all those things, they think more about what would I like to do with my life or what do I want my life to look like than they do actually in terms of what God's will for their life may be. But I think the topic of God's will has become unnecessarily confusing for many people, and that's, that's unfortunate. Can you explain that a little bit? Um, you said that this topic often can become unnecessarily confusing for young people. Yeah, I think even sometimes the terminology that we use can give off the idea that God's will for us is somehow hidden or secret. Um, It's almost like we picture God hiding it from us, and He delights in us getting close to it and then moving it one step further from us every time we get that far. So when I talk about finding God's will, I'm not referring to some crazy, you know, treasure hunt where we follow clues and, and eventually, you know, we get to the treasure, God's will for our lives. I'm referring to the idea of discovering God's will as it is clearly revealed to us in his word. Finding God's will was definitely something that I struggled with when I was a teen, when I decided to live the way God wanted me to live, and I decided to do what he wanted me to do. The first question I thought of was, okay, what is his plan? What is his will for my life? Where am I supposed to go? And and I think I had the wrong terminology. Um, I kind of felt like it was a map that I had to somehow find, you know, hidden under a hill and then follow it to this place and that place. And then I'd know God's will. Um, so using the right terminology, like you said, I think is helpful. And and to kind of put it all together, what you said, God's will for our lives is something that's clear and we can actually find it in God's word. Exactly. And I also think it's important for us to take a minute here to distinguish between God's will for believers in general and his specific will for each individual believer's life. Obviously, I can't pretend to know exactly what God intends to do with your life from here to the end, you know, the very specific plan that God has for you. 
I don't know that for anyone. And uh, the Word of God doesn't, of course, give the, the individual details of every person's life. So I do want to distinguish between those two um, areas of God's will. But that being said, God's will for all believers in general is where we need to start. That's how we're going to even be able to understand what God wants for me to do specifically beyond that. And most believers never even grasp that part. They never get to knowing what God wants all of us to do because they're busy waiting for God to give them some completed roadmap of their life from here to the end. That's a lot of times the way we think about God's will. So one day God's going to speak to me or he's going to show me this whole map and I'm going to know exactly what's going to happen from here to the end. It doesn't work that way. I know that most of us think we'd prefer it that way, (laughs) but that's not the way God works. And uh, so I think we need to understand that. We've got to start with this basic will that God has for all believers in general. It would be nice if we could just turn to some book in the Bible and there's a verse in there for me that says, all right, Zach, I need you to go down here, take a left here, go meet this person, say this. But like you said, that that's not the way God works. Uh, there's not a detailed plan written in the Bible for every believer. I think that would be a really long book for one thing. Uh, but I, I think it also may take away from the fact that you know, he wants us to trust him. But there are some passages that uh, talk about God's will for all believers. Um, and it, it kind of makes it very clear what God wants of us. Do you have any of those in mind? Uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, that passage is one of the best and clearest passages concerning God's will for our lives as his children. I think it's such an important passage for us as believers, and probably one that a lot of us have memorized at one point or another in our lives. But it says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So right there in the passage, we have that phrase, you know, the will of God. Basically, what it says at the end is that we will prove, which is the idea of of understanding and discerning, and then actually um, living out, proving in the sense that we're actually living it out and seeing that it is, in fact, true. So we will actually understand and be living out the will of God for our lives as believers if we're doing the things that verses 1 and 2 mentioned specifically. So Paul says, I'm begging you, believers, based on God's mercies, based on all that God has done for you. And of course, he's been building up to this all throughout the book of Romans as he talks about God's plan of salvation and and what he's accomplished to, um, to save us from our sin and to give us his righteousness and all those things based on God's mercies, then we should present ourselves to him as living sacrifices. So it's the idea of surrender, um, offering our lives to him without holding anything back, um, giving up our own dreams, our own ambitions, our own agenda, and surrendering our lives to him. That's God's intention for every believer that we surrender our lives to him. And that's something we're going to have to do on a daily basis. Every day we wake up, we're going to have to make that choice, that today my life is yours. What do you want to do 
with my life uh, and you just offer yourself to him on a daily basis. So the idea of surrender, um, it also says in verse two, not to be conformed to the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we see again, and we've already talked about this even briefly when we had our series through Philippians, the idea that the purpose of every believer's life is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so it talks here about that transformation. God's will for us is not that we be like the world, but that we be more like Christ. And that's accomplished as our minds are renewed, as we allow the Holy Spirit to take control, as we follow his leading, as we immerse ourselves in the word of God uh, so that we start to think like him and then um, live more like him. So there's a basic template for us. We're supposed to present our bodies as living sacrifices to him uh, and to be changed, conformed more into his image. So there's an idea of surrender and there's the idea of separation. Both of those things are expected of us as believers. So that is the really a basic you know, summary of God's will for every believer's life. So if every day I wake up and I say, my life is yours, use me however you see fit, and, and I live consciously, you know, immersing myself in the word of God and following the Holy Spirit uh, and, and being transformed every day into his image, then I know that day that I'm living in God's will, that I'm doing what God expects of me. And, and it's, it's a daily choice. And I think if we think of it that way, it will help us. Instead of thinking, you know, am I where I'm supposed to be in the long-term plan of God's will? Stop thinking that way and start thinking, am I doing what God wants me to do right now? And that's not a mystery yeah, because it's clearly revealed to us right there. I think this passage just shows us how like living in God's will begins, but then also how it ends. I mean, really living more like Christ is something that we do every day, but that the ultimate purpose is for us to be completely like him. And, you know, one day when we are in heaven, we are made like him. We'll, we'll be in his image completely. We'll be like Christ. Um, so it kind of gives you the full picture. It, it starts with surrender. But then it ultimately ends with us being more and more like Christ to the point where one day we will be like him completely. I like how you described it as a daily will, though, because I actually struggled with that. I used to think that God's will was just the big picture. It's something down the road uh, that he wants me to, to accomplish. And it kind of takes my eyes off of the here and now. And and now I need to ask the question, am I actually doing what God wants me to do right now, today? We like planning ahead, which is not a problem, but sometimes we like to create our own plans and, and we don't really ask God about that. So if we focus on the daily obeying God, daily doing what he wants us to do, then we can we can be ready, we can be prepped for what he wants to do with us in the future. I think. What are some other passages that you would recommend um, talking about God's will and our our search for it and then our actually living it out? Yeah, so there are some other passages that come to mind immediately when we think about specific things that God wants us to do as believers, which again is where we start, like we talked about every day. Make sure I'm doing what God expects of me now instead of, you know, being fixated on missing God's will for the future. So uh, in 1 Thessalonians, for instance, there's two passages that I can think of. One in chapter 4 and verse 3, where we, where again, we find the actual terminology about this is God's will for your life. Uh, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, for this is the will of God, 
even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. So there's a very clear statement in God's word about what he expects of us as believers, that that again, we be sanctified, which is set apart um, from the world and to him. And specifically here, a part of that sanctification is abstaining from fornication. Any type of uh, immorality is to be avoided as believers. So there I know another very clear part of God's will for my life. I stay completely away from all forms of immorality. Um, and of course, it does take many forms, but this is, but fornication is that broad word for all types of sexual immorality, which we are to avoid as believers. So that's what God wants for me specifically as his child. Then if you skip over to the next chapter, chapter five, we have this series of statements that also give us a part of God's will for our lives as believers, starting in verse 16, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So God's will for our lives as believers is to be joyful, uh, to be in constant communication with him, and to have a constant spirit of gratitude um, in all things, no matter what's happening in our lives, um, because we have that true joy that's rooted in Christ, then we can rejoice in all circumstances and we can give thanks in all circumstances. Then if you jump over to First Peter, this is another book that has a couple of different statements uh, along these lines as far as what God's will is for our lives. In chapter 2, verse 15, it says, For so is the will of God that with well-doing you put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, we got to go backwards just a little bit so that we can see exactly what he was talking about there. In verse 13, he says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. That's when it says, This is the will of God. So, his will for us as believers is that we submit ourselves to the authorities that he's placed over us. In this case, it's talking specifically about those in the government. Isn't it interesting that some of the specific statements that God makes about his will for our lives are some things that as believers we'd prefer to avoid? No one likes the idea of submitting to authority, um, but it's God's will for our lives as believers, and it plays an important role in our testimony in the community. Yeah. Uh, and chapter 3, verse 17, he says this, um, it's better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil doing. Um, and that's in the passage when it's talking about, you know, always giving an answer to those who ask a reason of the hope that's in us with meekness and fear. A lot of what Peter's talking about is how to live gracefully in times of suffering. So you see that sometimes it's God's will for believers to suffer. And there's another one of those inconvenient truths of Christianity that we have to come to terms with. Uh, sometimes it's God's will for us to suffer in order to do what's right or because we are actively doing what's right. So there's just four passages that specifically say this is God's will for your life as believers. And so I can right now take inventory of my life based on Romans 12, 1 and 2, and then these four passages. Am I actively doing God's will as his child today? And that's what I need to worry about before I move on to the next phase. And hopefully that is encouraging to you guys. We really wanted to answer this question and show you that God's will is very clear. God shows us in his word um, very specific things that he wants every believer to do. 
and hopefully you can scroll back and write these verses down and look at them. And again, like Adam said, kind of take inventory. Look at your life every day, today even. Am, am I living in God's will according to what the Bible tells us? Next week, we're going to talk more about God's will and how you can find God's specific will for your life. And we do hope that you will join us again next week as we continue this conversation. And we hope that you will download the Keep Your Heart Ministries app and take the time to uh, send us your suggestions for the podcast. We want to hear from you. We want to answer your questions. So please check out that feature on the app, and we hope to hear from you soon.